Pelotero Pickle episode 61. We've got a full wild card review, the beginning of the divisional series, and we get in on what it means to be a championship player, how to build a championship culture. Let's get it. Pelotero Pickle episode 61. I'm ready to jump in with Chris. I'd like to preface the entire episode by saying I'm right and he's wrong. But first, send us your topics by email at pickle at pelotero.com or hit us up on Twitter at Pelotero Pickle. Very excited to be right today. Chris, how are you doing? Just more right than you. That's all. I'm good. There's been a lot of stuff happening in baseball over the weekend, over the past week. A lot of excitement. Uh, Tom Brady had a very good game, which I'm sure we'll hear about at some point. Normal, normal. He's he's good. He's just he's good. So normal. Uh, how do you want to attack this? We had there's a lot of a lot of situations. Why don't we go wild card games first? Kind of yeah. discuss that. They were good games. Um, what do we got? Chris Taylor was like zero for fifty, and then he hit a walk off homer which was pretty cool for that was a very good game. One, one game tight. Um, felt like it was two very different teams where the, uh, the Cardinals were, were they just left Wayne right out there. Just let him throw, just keep throwing pitches, keep getting people out. Dodgers were just piecing it together. Very different strategies. It felt like, but ultimately the Dodgers pulled it through and now they're playing the, the giants for the first time ever in the playoffs, which is kind of crazy. Uh, any takeaways from that playoff game from you? Uh, yeah, I really did hated the Dodgers Cardinals game. Like I just didn't enjoy it. Um, it was very, I don't know. I think national league playoff games tend to do that to me because uh, there's an element of strategy to it, but I just, the game, there were, it, they both looked like they were scared to make a mistake ish. Um, not, not to say it wasn't a well-played game, but it's just a bad opinion slash take. Um, I don't know. I just didn't, I didn't enjoy it as much as the other one. And it's probably because there's some geo location bias to it for me because the Red Sox Yankees games right here. And, um, yeah, it just seemed like there was a lot more energy in that game and probably because the confines of Fenway make it louder, but, um, oh, and by the way, I found this out there, the stadium was not sold out at Fenway that night. So they had a bunch of tickets that they made available to all the college students in the area really, uh, for like 10 bucks with like an hour before the game. So you're talking the Red Sox Yankees game. Yeah. The Red Sox. Yankees How game. is that game not sold out? I, I have no idea, but I, from what, what I'm told through secret sources of the, uh, I don't know, the Bostonian, whatever. Um, they were giving out like tickets to college kids because they wanted a raucous crowd. So maybe they did they did it intentionally because they wanted the crowd to be really loud. Uh, and if they did, I give them credit for that. So. That that game was electric. I think Red Sox Yankees. If if you're listening, if you've never been to a Red Sox Yankees game, like regular season included, it's pretty wild. Postseason, it's just it the energy's up. It's it's one of the more high energy sporting events you'll ever go to especially you throw in the playoffs. It's just electric factory. Uh, really good game. Who pitched for the Red Sox in that game? I forget now. Yavaldi, and he pitched great. He pitched well. Um, what's his name for the the, the Cole. ace? Yeah. Cole Garrett did not Cole. pitch especially well. They had to go pull, give him the hook early. Um, just he felt, it felt like the Yankees were never in the game. What was the final score? It was like no, six, it wasn't close. As six, soon as Bogart, six three, six two. As soon as Bogarts homered, it was over. Yeah, it was. As soon as How about Bogart. guys just go dead central and Fenway now, all the like time? Going out of style. Do you do you remember that ever when we were growing up? I felt like nobody no. ever hit homers to center. You had to you had to be a big boy to go to leave to center field. Like you had to be one of the dudes, one of the big power bats in the game. It just did. Yeah. Same thing with the triangle, like that area, just people leave over there. Yeah. I just feel like they growing up, it just never happened. Like when be like when I was younger, when we were younger, um, just felt like it was just a, like if the ball went up to center, even if it went off the wall, you're like, Whoa, went off the wall and center. And now you guys just go like 10 rows, (laughs) 10 rows deep to center. Um, And they stand at home plate and admire them. Yeah. Bogart's hit that. And he kind of like, 
gave it a peek and I was like, you gotta go, you gotta run. By the way, I, I I'm gonna say this about about that game. And the Red Sox, if the Red Sox had to play a five game series against the Yankees, I think they lose. That being said, I think if they had to play a one game series against Tampa, they would have lost. So stars aligning for the Red Sox, maybe I don't know. After like a very difficult year for them in the sense of all their COVID stuff, and it's weird, man. It's just weird. This is one of those weird feelings around here. The team of destiny. Did did Patrick predict that earlier this year? I think it felt like he was talking about the Red Sox and destiny, and so last year, I forget. Uh, couple weird situations or interesting baseball situations in that wildcard game with Stanton hitting the uh, the non-home run in the first inning and everybody going crazy, which just reminded me of the Cincinnati Bengals kicker yesterday, thinking he hit the game-winning field goal and he, he missed it. <laughs> uh, but how big of a mood swing and how big of like a emotional roller coaster does that put you on immediately where you feel like you're up early which is huge in a playoff game like that to just having a guy on first base do you think how big of how big of a tone setting moment was that for the whole game you yeah. almost you almost come out of that feeling like almost come out of the inning feeling like you're down a run yeah you gave up runs yeah it's it's amazing because as much as i always talk about not playing with emotion the playoffs are just all emotion that's all they are they're just a, you have to ride emotional waves and i i don't necessarily think momentum carries over from game to game but it can certainly carry you from an inning to the next because game to game, obviously you're going to switch pitchers. You're going to, you're going to get a sleep. Um, and, and then the, the game resets, right? So that moment, it's funny. Cause I felt like at two, nothing, the game was over. You can make the argument that it was over after Stanton's ball didn't go out. Um, it's, you got a crowd at Fenway who gets to now mock a player for being on first base after a ball hits high off the wall. The crowd's going to be loud. They're going to be energetic because they just saved the run that they thought they had lost. Uh, you go from one extreme to the next. And I mean, you see it happen every night. And that's why, honestly, and I'm going to skip ahead. That's why I said I was actually surprised last night that it took three batters after the the play in the Red Sox game. I, I, I literally told my wife, I said, this just happened and it's over. It's, it's over. That's it. Um, they needed to get a hit and score those runs to have a yeah. chance. But they um, had no chance to do that. Like literally after that ball bounces over the way it does, they had no chance. It's crazy. It's fun. It's funny how you just feel it. And I don't know. Yeah. The other the other big situation in that wild card game was when they sent Judge on the ball. The other ball Stanton hit. They sent Judge. Phil Nevin was getting a bunch of heat. I felt like it was a it was a weird play as a third base coach. He saw Bogarts pointing to second, like, hey, go to go. Like basically, we're gonna give up the run. And then he got the ball, looked up, he's like, Oh, I got a chance here. Threw him out. Um, knowing that Gallo's coming up with two outs, you think you need to send him there? Or I mean, we do kept them back. If you were coaching third, what would you have done? I would have sent them. I would have done the same thing he did. The problem is you're the down by one run, right? At that point. So anytime you're the down by one run, it, it really like, you better be safe. You know, now you added a piece there that said Gallo's coming up. Well, Gallo's an out. So maybe it was the right move. Like, you know, I just thought it was when, uh, when he saw, but I felt like he wasn't really waving them until he saw Bogarts. I, I think he put up two, like go throw it to second, and that's when he he sent them. Well, Kike um, bounced the ball in too, or was it Verdugo? Verdugo caught it. Um, the, the ball got bounced to him. I, look, I just you got to be safe. Like I feel like you got to be safe there because you're the down by one run. Um, the down by one run doesn't really change the tide, other than it makes it one swing with nobody on. Um, you know, you could look at it three ways from Wednesday. I, I, obviously, it was a defining play because it happened and it ended an inning where they seemed to be, you know, putting something together. But it was still going to be a two-out situation with a guy who is notoriously an out coming off the bat. And could he walked into one? Yeah, that's what he does. But uh, in those situations, when it's when it's kind of big-time moments and big-time situations where pitchers are really they're going to bear down gallows and out. So well, he's either an out or there's a runner on second. So they don't have to throw him anything. 
Yeah, well, that, that, but that's why he, they they would have like they would have just. Th- this is the difference between the guys that people that people that the players that people are saying are valuable in today's game. There's a reason why he hit 38 homers and drove in 76 runs or whatever it was this year. Like you don't you don't get hits in big spots. Like you just don't do it. Like to do to be to do that you, you when you're being pitched carefully, you don't get hits. And you don't put together competitive at bats. Uh, case in point, Mike Zunino last night. Uh, strikeout, 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 strikeout. Like when you get to frontline guys, like in the playoffs, you get the first three guys and the four leverage guys out of the bullpen, and that is it. You do not get easy at bats in the playoffs. So you want to know how good a guy is? Watch how he plays in the postseason. That's it. That's all you need to know. I I, uh, I remember talking to people about when you were coming up to minor leagues. I think it was, I think it was the Mets. We talked about how they only look at prospects and how they perform against top prospects. They throw away all their stats. So it's just a it's the way of looking at the game differently. Like if you're evaluating major league talent, like only go only consider how they do against one two the the one two and three arms and just everything else sure. is a wash. Yeah, could be an sure. interesting way to look at it. I don't. I'm sure teams are doing that. But um, let's get into individual series. I feel like the Braves and Brewers nobody's paying attention to. Uh, they, yeah. they, they, they even play baseball. Yeah, they got the they got shafted today with the. Uh, what time is the game today? Like a one o'clock game, 12 o'clock yeah, game? 12, because it's, four, um, it's four, another four game day. I love four packs. Love playoff four packs. Feels like uh, March Madness a little bit to me. There's just games on the whole day. I like it. Um, Pretty good teams. Like, it's, it's not a knock on them. Just nobody cares. Yeah. They're just completely under the, the Brewers radar. are like the sneaky going to win the World Series and nobody cares. Like well, they, they got to get to the Braves first. I know, I, but like, th- th- I mean, this is arguably the like one of the best teams, like top three teams in baseball power rankings wise all year, um, and just nobody cares because they're they're just, I mean they're they're tied to a, being in a shitty location and the central is always notoriously in the NL just whatever Magoo unless it's the Cubs. Because even when the Cardinals win, it's like, oh, you know, Cardinals. It's the Midwest, man. Like, it is what it is. But And then the Braves obviously don't. I mean, if they had been playing the Giants or the Dodgers, it would be different. But, you know, the Braves are another, like, very Magoo team. Well, the I told you guys before we started recording, the ticket prices for today's games are comical. And I think indicative of how much baseball, like, who does baseball want to win? So Milwaukee and Atlanta tickets tonight, today, tickets as low as $32. So you can go to a playoff game for $32. Bucks. Uh, Houston at Chicago, 237 game, $40 tickets available. Tampa at Red Sox, $95 a ticket. And then the uh, San Fran at LA, tickets as low as $111. How about that for some uh, yeah. market research? Well, now you, now you understand the difference between big market and small market. They're not really things. It's just how much people are willing to pay for the tickets, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, th- that, that series is, it's the same situation the Red Sox and Rays were in where Atlanta's home, big swing game in the series. Um, still got to win too. So not the a funny thing game. about the funny thing about game three in a five game series that nobody necessarily like says out loud somebody's either going to be up to nothing or it's going to be one, one. So game three is the game, no matter what, like, no matter what, like you look at, at that, that series and you know, it's one, one, and it very well could have been, um, it could have been two, nothing, um, in some right. Uh, but it's not. And, you know, there've been a combined total of what five runs scored in in those two games, those first two games, uh, Again, very as as producer Patrick said, very unspectacular lineups. Like they're just not sexy. I mean, if Acuna wasn't hurt, it'd probably be better. Um, you know, the Braves have guys that that produce. Acuna would definitely help, but they have Freeman. Uh, Duvall had a great year. Um, Riley had a good, very good year. So they have they have guys that can produce in that lineup, but just no sexy just, names. They're just they're just not getting any pub right now. The uh, Houston Chicago series. Chicago had a big win last night. So as you were saying, game three, they were down two nothing. 
the uh, the White Sox did they have a multi, uh, extra base hit in the first two games? I think they had like eighteen singles or something like that. Yeah, no, I don't think so. And last night was such a weird manifestation of of stuff. Lurie Garcia goes dead central. Speaking of dead central, like Lurie Garcia had never gone dead central in his life, dude. Especially with the playoff, ridiculous those, playoff adrenaline numbers. running through his face. Terrible startup socks, Lurie. Oh my god. He had like three homers all season and then he hits a homer. And playoffs are weird, man. Like adrenaline starts pumping and weird things happen. You ever like you see guys like dropping bats sometimes where they're like just like jittery and they just they'll like be warming up and just drop a bat. Or like just weird, weird things happen. Yeah. Emotions and, but, are high. Well the thing but the thing is, Bobby, that they're they're there's so much more publicly noticed, right? That like everybody sees it, so everybody talks about it. So now it becomes a thing, as opposed to during the regular season. There's whatever two thousand some odd games played, or more than that. How many games get played a year? Fifteen times one sixty two, whatever that is. Uh, two thousand some odd games in a in a baseball season. It's more than that. I don't know. Anyway. The point is, there, there's, you know, at most, what, 30, 40 playoff games. And, like, everybody sees what happens. So now you're either – you either embrace it or you worry about it. If you embrace it, you just chill and you play your butt off and, every, like, you'll have moments where you're great, where guys can just be – that's why guys that are underdogs, guys like Larry Garcia, because, like, you go in, there's no expectation on you. There's no expectation looking at the three guys in the middle of the lineup and that's it or the four guys at the top of the lineup. So if you can embrace that, that part of it, it, it makes, it makes it that much easier to compete when you're worried about it. When you are one of the dudes, that's when things can snowball on you a little bit. Houston's pretty good. They get hit. They're pretty good. So the white Sox got a significant hole to climb out of. Not impossible. They get the their bullpen might be a little thin tonight, but I think Houston. I think Houston is probably the best top to bottom lineup. Like just straight hitters, like just hitters. If you really look at them, like they, they. I mean, they have six six guys at the top of their order that are all threats to hit three hundred. Um, well, they're all they're all playoff capable hitters too. They're not. And they're not. They holes. don't strike out. They don't strike out. They strike out less than anybody else in the game. That's, again, if you can do that against good pitching, it usually leads to productive at-bats and then eventually runs. So interesting series. I think, you know, a lot of people want Chicago to win because Chicago hasn't won in a while. And, you know, they want to see the Aussie. Like, Liam Hendricks is now super famous. Like, people are talking about him like he's the best closer in the history of baseball. I'm like, Liam, I wish you'd pitch like that for us, man. Like, if you pitch like that for the Toronto Blue Jays in 2015, that thing was a wrap, dog. Like, if I could have put you in in the seventh or eighth and you just be a shutdown guy like that, it's over, what's, dog. What's the, what's the biggest difference, Ben? Is he, is he like, stronger now and he just goes and blows it out? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think he's, he's letting – he's, like, emptying the tank every night. Um, it, it's, it's weird because I feel like when you convert from being a starter to a reliever, like, he had been a starter his whole career with Minnesota. And he pitched it like 89. It wasn't like he – I just don't think he knew better. He was a young kid from Australia that really probably hadn't developed very well. And he always had this super short stride. And I used to see, say to him, Lang, I'd go up to him and be like, why do you take such a short stride? Like, I don't know, mate. And then all of a sudden he started striding further and he was throwing 95, 96. But then add the adrenaline, add a little bit of knowledge, add some brain power, add – the Oakland A's DFA'd him at one point. Um, you put all that in a blender and like guys figure out their identity and, and there's a really good pitcher in there, obviously. So, um, and I think it was in there before he just needed to let it out. So did you, uh, did you get to watch the replay of the game of the play that played the plate? Yeah, whatever. So let me set it up a little bit. Grandall it was first and third Grandall. If you're listening to the show, you've definitely seen the play. Grandall hit a ground ball first. Started running towards the second baseman out of the box and got in the way of the throw. And it was not called anything. Just let it happen. Uh, if I was the manager for the Astros, I would have blown up. 
I, I, I appreciate the play as like a kind of a heads up baseball play. Like, Hey, let me just kind of sneak over here and interrupt the throw. But I would love to, I would love to pull up his ground balls and see how many times he was on the grass versus any other, <laughs> was he ever on the grass running to first base? So you're adding, he you're came just, out of the batter's box and went straight into the grass. So you're adding layers of subjectivity to objective rules. No, right? it was very objective to me. In my eyes, he no, clearly so like, intentionally was on the line of throw. So if you're running to second base and you know the ball, the first baseman feels the ball behind you, like you obviously make your path on the right side of second base, like on the, on the outside part of the bag. The rules are the rules, and that's what they are. So he did what he did, and like he, you could make the argument that he was trying to get his shoulder out of the way of the throw, even though he wasn't. <laughs> but like the way it looked, you could make that argument. So he like flinched because he was in hey, the line of the throw. He flinched a little bit. If you don't like it, don't throw it off him. Get the hell out the way. They tell sure. you to create space as a, as a defender. Like create space. Like create a lane. If you don't have a lane, make one make a better throw like that the, where there's no chance that you hit him in the shoulder. I don't like, again, is he an asshole or is he really smart? It's one of the, it's whatever way you choose to look at it. It's just, so it, it was, so that happened after the Red Sox play that we'll talk about. Um, for me, it felt like excessive. So if, if you're, if you're a runner on first base and the balls hit to the first baseman, I, I just felt like he left the line too far. The whole establishing your baseline thing to me is so it's such a weird way of doing it. And I have never liked the whole baseline thing. Like he wasn't even running towards first base. The funny thing is, is if the throw was coming from the catcher to first, he would have been out. Right. Like, which makes it a little more weird because it was a play between home and first, which triggers in your brain. Like, Oh, it's the, the 45 line, whatever. Um, I, I always remember Getty was all over that because he was a catcher, so he paid attention to it. So that every time that play happens, I, I think of Getty. But yeah, I, like if there's certain, like if I was running on first and there's a ball at the first baseman, I would I would definitely create an obstruction of some way. Yeah, I would just make it harder. I yeah. would get in the line as much as I could. But I I just felt like he did not even run towards first base. So it's. But all right. It's so where's the rule? Like if you intentionally get the line, fault. here's the, but here's the, when, if you're a runner going to second base on a double play and you stick your hand up and block the throw. You yeah. But if you stick your hand up to try to catch the ball versus stick your hand up as you're sliding, it's two different things. So like, so where's the line there in terms of know, like, Bobby, I'm intentionally the blocking problem. the throw. So this is the problem. And like when you try to, like people try to objectify rules and they don't they leave no room for interpretation for humans because they're worried about the humans catching flack after right there has to be interpretation somewhere so like when you try to make it black and white there's no such thing there's no right like there's no like so now you get situations like that where it's like oh well you know blah 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 and again i'll say this i said this last night these are the type of plays that happen like not often, but they happen often enough during a season or a couple of seasons that th they exist and they've been thought about and discussed. But like, I've I'd never so back to back. I had never seen either of those plays happen. I've never seen a runner, the batter turned runner, get hit by a throw from the first baseman. <laughs> never seen that before. Oh, maybe seen the catcher do it. Baseball. Uh, I've watched a lot of baseball. <laughs> Um, I don't, no, but it's like, weird how like how things will happen. You can watch as much baseball as you want, and then things will happen yeah, that they you've always never seen happens. before. But that always happens, right? But that play in particular, like I have less of an opinion about that one than I do about the Red Sox one because the Red Sox one was so much more normal. Um, I just I felt like Grandal went out. He I thought he intentionally left, like. Perfect. Good. How do you establish running. the nice baseline job. if you're if you're standing in the batter's box and there's a straight line? To nice the bag. job. Like you did what the game allowed you to do, and you yeah. won. If it was so if job. it was my teammate, I would have loved it. If I was the opposing coach, or that, opposing that's, team, how, it, that's how it is. That's how it is. Like you like it if you're on the right side of it. You hate it if you're on the other side. That's just what it is. 
that's how everything it feels is like to me though it feels like he got away with something that's yeah, like my man. my barometer right now is feels like he got away with something and the the, the the i think he he did an interview after the game and you can tell he felt like he got away with something i didn't see that i gotta look that he, up he was talking to he was talking to verducci and verducci goes oh what about the play he's like yeah, I was just running to first, and you know, he, I tried to get my shoulder out of the way of the throw, and it just happened to hit me. And let's just leave it at that, you know. That's funny. That's that's it. So like, you play the game, and then like, this is the stuff that really irritates me about people in general, like the society at large, getting mad at certain situations more than they get mad at others. Right? This the same shit as like what the Astros are trying to do with sign stealing. But, like, half the people now are going, oh, what a great play, Grandall, man. Half the people are going, what a terrible play. Like, you try to push the limits of, like, what advantage you can get over the other team all the time. That's what alpha competitors do, right? Like, that's how you try to win. Like, you try to make a difference in the game somehow. And that play made a difference, whether people like it or not. So, like, if you get caught with your hand in the cookie jar, then so be it. Like, you got caught, whatever. Yeah, I felt I I felt that he should have there he should have been out in that play. Probably when it happened right. live. And that I saw, one you're probably right. I, I, I saw I, him. I saw him like run out. Of, he was in line with first base, and then he went out of line and was on the grass. Righties come out of the grass because they come out of the right the other side of the box. A lefty, you ain't got no business over there. What are you doing? You ain't. Right. <laughs> that was clearly intentional. All I know, I get. Is- I understand why it was ruled the way it was, but. If I leave a play feeling like he got away with something, I feel like outside's gonna be rocking tonight. I know that. Uh, the blackout was cool. I like that. That was cool. Blackout's awesome. Should do. A, should do a they, you know what they should do? They should do a blackout when they're in the field, and then do a whiteout when they're hitting, so that, that nobody, so that like just switch shirts. So then, like you're throwing like. <laughs> So the fielders can't see the ball. That'd be a savvy move. Throw two shirts out there. Yeah, you'd have to give too much stuff away. That's it would be tremendous home field advantage if you did that. Just make the all the stands just white with uh with shirts. Imagine like Correa's coming up throwing 94 across the diamond, you can't see the ball. You know what? Yeah, you know what I felt like happened last night though? I felt like the Dodger, I mean, I felt like the, the White Sox scored too many late inning runs. Like those like scrappy, like we don't need these three runs, but we're gonna get them anyway. Like in the eighth, they scored three, I think. That's a bad time. I fell asleep towards the end. I don't even know what the final score was. It was nine six like when 12, I stopped watching. Twelve six, I think it finished. That's a bad sign that they got their they got three more runs to score. You feel like they wasted runs? Yeah. Not, they're not like wasted, but like you start feeling a little comfortable, and now three more runs. Oh yeah, we're gonna hit. Look, it's hitting's easy. And now Houston comes out, hits a two-run homer to to start the game tonight. Maybe. Nah, you never know. It's baseball. Starting all pitchers right. are gonna dictate momentum. That's it. That's all I know. Yeah, Red Sox, Tampa. Any, you saved it. Like you wanted to build up to this moment. Like it was going to be like, well, we're going to no, talk even, Dodgers next. No, I actually have a, a different question. Any sort of man, I wish they put a guy in second base right now. No, I hate you think the casual fan. Base. I'm talking casual fan. It's like, Screw man, casual fan. I'm just saying baseball is baseball's trying to grow baseball. the Dude, the intensity with which those innings are getting played watching Pavetta last night just lock it in and like energy like this guy don't even he hasn't taken a breath at more than like 90 bpm this year and he's running off the mound pumping his fist doing weird he his his celebrations are terrible somebody's gonna teach him how to do fist pumps like he's got like stiff arm body excel excel exuberant celebrations but nice job kid i loved it and then you see, anytime a runner gets on first, you go, oh, what could happen? What could happen? And you realize how easy it is to score a run and yet how hard it is to score a run in baseball. I, was, uh, I wasn't I was watching the game when it went to extras. I was driving, so I couldn't watch it. And I was just thinking, I'm like, there's going to be people that are when 
and we're like 10th inning, 11th inning, 12th inning. I'm like, there's going to be people that are like, oh, just put a runner out there. Maybe after like 15 innings, we'll put a runner out there. I think this is the time where you you put strain on the bullpen. You figure out how good your team is. That's yeah. why I love it. Do you, you remember how good you no remember how, how good was Eovaldi's outing against the Dodgers in the World Series? He threw a like basically a CG and ended up losing the game when Muncie Hummered in in LA. Like, but he threw like eight and a third or something like that out of the bullpen. Can you, like that's stupid. And like to your point, you this is why, and this is what I'm gonna say. This is why the Rays system will have trouble winning. I'm not gonna say they're never gonna win. They went this to their take. They went to their take. leverage guys. Just they went to their leverage guys early, right? Early, 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 and they gave themselves a chance to win. But I mean, they're gonna piece it. They have to piece it together today, Bobby. And not to mention that every time you go match up early in a game offensively. Austin Meadows was out the game. Uh, G-Man Choi was out the game. Uh, who else came out? Um, Margot ended up in the game. Who do you, he was in for Meadows. Was he in for Meadows? Um, they pinch ran for they pinch run for Cruz, but like you can't do this stuff and win in meaningful baseball games because now you don't have your best players in the game when you need them. You create the right matchup once in the fifth or sixth inning. And then if it gets the 11th, like, you want the other guy back up. There's no reentry rule, boys. Like, people have to stop trying to create the perfect moment at the perfect time in baseball. Like, stop. Because for all the value that you're adding, there is an unintended consequence or a loss behind it that nobody's talking about. Nobody's talking about. And last night, you mark my words, the Rays wanted three more at bats out of Austin Meadows. I'll tell you that much. Whatever. I hate everybody. They used nine pitchers yesterday. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. They used nine pitchers yesterday. And today's supposed to be a bullpen day for them because they have no starter to go. Like they literally have, they did, they were a TBA today. So today's was meant for them to be a bullpen day. Well. They're going to be running some guys back out there. That's that's for sure. All right, let's get into the, the uh, ground rule double. That was not a ground rule double. I can't allow it to be called a ground rule double. I got an ad playing from the box score there. Sorry. It's an automatic um, double. It's not a ground rule. I hate it. I hate the rule. And I'm going to explain my reasoning. I understand that it's the rule. So last night when we were texting, you're like, that's the rule. But so you're wrong rule. because Why that's the rule. The rule. That's the rule. I know it's the rule. It's a stupid rule. And then you you're, you claim that nobody's cared about it. Uh, if I had ever seen this play happen before, I would have. It happens once a year. Uh, it happened in 2014. It happened last year. To the Rays' benefit, it happened last year, which is probably why there wasn't more of a, a hoopla around it from them. I, I was expecting a lot more from them. Your majors were like, yep. Yeah, Okay. Got it. Thanks. There was no like argument. Um, my issue, you can't call it ground rule double because if the fielder wasn't there, the fielder's not part of the grounds. You're just going based off the verbiage of the word. It's, it's an automatic double. It's not a ground rule double. This is a difference. Yeah. yeah. Well, people were calling it a ground rule double last night. It's not a ground rule double. So it's we're, the same thing. So I'm right. You just don't, you Got don't it. like, you don't like terminology. You, you, you're like, you're one of those literal people that need everything like laid out for you. Well, yeah. Yeah. At some point in our software journey, you're going to get there too. I, I, I get it now. I completely understand so. what you're talking about, but you have to understand that most of the world don't think like that. That's why, I mean, it's just, okay. that's why, so, New so England it, fans are jackasses too, because they, they they just see everything, they just say stuff without knowing the definition of what they're actually saying. I, I'm with you. I get it. So, so yes, not a ground rule double. Not a great thank you. So, automatic double though. Automatic two bases. Just call it two bases. The rule actually says two bases. Uh I don't like that the rule does not specify two bases from the initiation of the play because on a throwing error, it's from where the runners were. 
So I think the, the, the situation was very exacerbated last night because one, it's a playoff game. Number two, it's a go-ahead run scoring potentially. And this is a big swing game. So the when Ben Revere kicked the ball over the fence in 2014, that was the ninth inning. It was a tie score. Still a big moment, but not playoffs. Uh, not, playoffs? Not go-ahead run in the in the 13th inning playoffs. Um, runner was on the move. So he was he was rounding third. So this is my contention. If the fielder is the thing causing the ball to go over fence, whether it's intentional, unintentional, incidental, whatever, I don't care Occidental. why it happens. I don't care why it happens. Uh, if the ball hits the ground and then is sent over the fence, it's two bases from wherever the runners have already successfully safely reached base. So if whoever was on first, who was on first, Margot, he no, was Diaz, Yandy, Diaz, flying or he was at third base when the ball. It was a three-two pitch. Of course, he was going to be at third base. I know, but he had if he touched second base and the ball already landed, he successfully reached second base before the ball went over the fence. So that's why I think he should have scored because if it touches the, the fielder and then it goes over the fence, if the fielder wasn't there, it wouldn't have gone over the fence. You so know the, what they should the call fielder this? Fielder caused it to go over the fence. You know what Therefore, they should call this? Two bases from where you're safe. They, you, you know put Kiermaier, put Kiermaier at second base because he was if he hadn't reached hey, first base yet, he gets two bases. We're gonna call this Bobby's rule. Like you, we're gonna call. We'll oh, put call it in the rule logic. book. We'll call, call logic. it. Put it in the rule book as Bobby's rule. It's called you, logic. Th- this is no. You you don't like the rule. Fine. Whatever you're saying, like it all doesn't the crap make sense. All the crap you're saying is logical. Like you have a logical brain. Like it's logical. Yeah, logic rule. It's not the rule, Bobby. Like. It's a bad rule. Listen, there have been considerations for this in the past. Like why, if a ball goes over the fence, is it automatically a ground rule double if it bounces in the field of play when the guy could hit a 600-foot fly ball and already be standing at third? Like there's a million times that a ground rule double should probably be like a triple or an inside-the-park homer. But it's not the rule. And it's been considered before because you have to draw the line somewhere. Like there's got to be a place where you draw the line when you make the rule. Because if not, it's going to suck in the other direction, too. Like, rules suck. They're stupid. But you have to make them because if there's no rule, then what are you going to do? So you want the rule to be Bobby's rule. I want the rule to be Chris's rule. Joe down the street wants to be Joe's rule because everybody's going to have an opinion. And you know what the problem is with opinions, Bobby? You got one and I got one. And they all smell like freaking crap. Like, dude, it's, I get it. So I, like this, Everybody's going to have an opinion about this, but who cares? That's not the rule. It doesn't matter what my opinion is. Ground rule double is a situation where the grounds. Great. Keep talking about it. Objects not- that, the objects that cannot be influenced by humans. They set up a stadium because they got to play somewhere. And maybe there's a pad with a little crevice in it. And the ball can get lodged in the crevice. And then. You're not. You're trying to create an element of fairness between the offense and the defense. How would that be different than if the ball, ball got ice. stuck under the wall when it shouldn't have, and Yandy Diaz had already scored on the play, and Kiermaier was about to get an inside the park home run? It would be the same exact stupid thing, and it wouldn't matter because it's the rule. Not if if the if the fielder picked up the ball and lodged it in the fence, then that would be an issue. But the fielder didn't knock the ball over the wall on purpose. So you have to draw the line. You have to draw the line somewhere. I I, I can't even sit here and agree or disagree with you because I don't care. Like, I literally don't care. The problem is, like, I've played defense before, poorly in the outfield, no less. So, like, I'd be, like, the number one candidate to, like, accidentally knock a ball over the fence. And, like... Hunter Pence said something. You shouldn't get rewarded for something for a mistake. That wasn't a mistake. Hunter Renfro didn't make a mistake. He went to make a play, and the ball ricocheted off the wall in a certain way and then hit off his body and went over the fence. Him and Kike both thought they were going to get screwed because of it, which is super funny because, like, everybody in the bullpen was like, oh, and then Kike was like, oh, my hands are up. 
And then the umpire is like, no, nah, it's one a guy in the ball. bullpen. You see one guy went like yeah. this immediately. Yeah, it's exactly what. I, well, because, dude, players don't even know the rules. Like, well, they, I, it was a weird play. And I think I do think technology now, because we have 18,000 cameras at the stadium and you can look at it from every angle. If you don't, it, when that play happened live, I couldn't tell what happened. So in that situation, yeah, John Smoltz kept talking about the backspin on the ball. I was like, Smoltz, it bounced off him, dude. Yeah, but when uh, it like, when it happened, when it happened live, it, it was just it was a it was not a natural looking play. There was a hundred percent chance in my eyes that it hit the wall, bounced off the ground, hit Renfro, went over because that's the only way a ball could do that, according to John. Even Ren, Renfro didn't. I didn't think he really showed that it hit him. It wasn't. It wasn't completely obvious. It seemed like something was different, but. Uh, I'm not arguing the call. I understand why the call was made because it's in the rule book. Yeah, you just hate the. I'm rule. arguing that it's a stupid rule, and they right. need to do better. You can go to bed tonight and tell yourself again for the second night in a row how stupid that rule is, and the rule won't change tomorrow. Oh, I think they're going to change the rule. Maybe <laughs> the the thing that I, the thing that I'm saying is like there has been consideration for this play before. Like literally, the league has considered, it. and you can say what you want about it. The play has happened. When Tommy Pham accidentally flipped the ball in the stands two years ago, nobody gave a crap. Nobody gave a crap. Like, literally, that's why I tweeted this. Like, the whole world was like, oh, ground rule double, whatever. Who cares? Nobody cares. When he took the ball and threw it to somebody? No. When the ball hit off the heel of his glove and went into the stands. Oh, yeah. Like, and everybody's like, yeah, ground rule double. Nobody cared about the rule then. Uh, Nobody cared seen, about the I rule when Revy punted it into the stands. I would have, I would have had an opinion on it. No, but you, like, you, like that play happened in space and yeah. time. Was it a playoff game in Boston? But it doesn't With matter, tra- Bobby. Like, yeah, it doesn't the, matter the because it's it's awareness. The consideration that has to happen when a play happens is there's a rules committee, both in Major League Baseball. There's somebody with the PA working on this stuff. Every year, this stuff gets negotiated. Like, so people are considering the things that are happening every year and the considerations that have been made. Now, here's what I'll say to that. This is a problem. Most of those considerations for the rules that exist in baseball came before technology and all the stuff that we have access to. So you're saying like, oh, we have 800 cameras. The problem was, is the policy hasn't caught up to technology, right? Like, so the policies haven't changed. Now, in this case, what I will say, and that's the difference between the thing that you said in the text to me last night, where you were like, oh, it's the same as your situation. My situation has never happened before openly, right? Like nobody's ever tested positive for something that actually wasn't positive for it. So like, it's a stupid rule because nobody's ever considered it. This case, like, Somebody's considered this before. They sat down at a table and decided, like, this has to be the rule. For whatever reason, they could be idiots. Nobody's saying, like, they're smart. But it's the rule. I would like to, I would like to been... see the notes from the meeting to see if they talked about a runner on the move and if that runner should score. When does, uh, when does dis- umpire discretion come into play? What, what's it, what scenarios in the game? I've never seen an umpire give an extra base on a ground rule double to anyone. Ever. But what is the situation where that happens? I have no idea. And I it's don't somewhere care. like it gets brought up all the time. People talk about it. I don't think it's a thing. I thought I thought if the umpire gets hit by a ball, it might happen. It happened. This happened against the Mill City All-Americans one time. You want to talk? We'll go throwback 2004 NECBL at Lowell at that field. What was the name of that field? Bad lighting at that field. Alumni field. Alumni oh. field. Infield was in. Um, umpire was was deep i was on third base so we got infield in umpire is like i don't know if he's on the outfield grass but he was the, the, the umpire was behind the infielders i'm on third kid hits a rocket up the middle hit the umpire in the leg and they told me i couldn't score i was like why not like it's it's past like it already it already beat them and it was funny the umpire told me to, I was lobbying hard instead of my coaches <laughs> lobbying. And the guy told me, shut up. And I was like, all right, get it right. I don't it's even called, remember what happened. It's called an, happened. it's called an automatic double, by the way. It even says it right here. And Oh, look, I did research. Cause I typed it in on Google. It's called an automatic double. Did the you automatic search double, automatic double? 
No, I was looking for when is umpire discretion applied because I don't actually know. I've never seen an umpire take the discretion to say, oh, well, the guy had already scored, so well, like, let's let him score. The easy way out for umpires is to go, yeah, it's a double. That's it. That's the rule. So you just do it. If there's a better rule, like, like apply to the apply to the patent throwing rules database of America and the conglomerates of the world. That's a new committee that I just formed. Like you can send a rule in and be like, yep. No, I think it should be treated the same way as if the guy throws it over the fence. No, you shouldn't. Cause he didn't throw it over the fence. He caused it to go over the fence. He did not do it intentionally. I don't care if it's intentional or not. Then it's fine. It then go propose a rule and say. Did Jose Canseco jump and main for the ball to hit off his That's head? why that's a homer, because he didn't mean to knock it over the fence. So it went over. It's a homer. It, it's a homer. The ball never, never hit, the, hit ground. the ground. The ball has to it hit an hit object in play. The ball hit the wall that Kiermaier hit. The ball hit the ground, yep. then goes over the fence. Yeah. It's a double. It hit the ball hit can say the ground head. and then hit the ball, never hit the ground. It's a homer. That's the rule. <laughs> if the ball hits the guy in the air and goes over, because the ball what, has not it? been if it's uh if it goes play. out. The umpire did the press conference after. If it hits if the wall or hits the ground, it is now a live ball. Did you did you read the whole rule? Because there's one there's one part of the rule. It it literally defines 250 feet away from home plate. Where it's like if it's a ball that's in the air that the, def- the defender hits it into the stands, it has to be at least 250 feet away because you can hit it like down the line, deflect it into the stands where you hit it in fair territory, but it goes out in foul territory. And there's some specific rule, but it, sp- it specifies 250 feet, which I thought was strange. All I know. So you can't like just go play like hot potato and knock it over the fence and give the team over. <laughs> All I know is Christian Vasquez. Which I was in the NFL. I used to think, why don't they just pick the guy up and run him backwards? Yeah. But no, I didn't understand forward progress yeah. when I concocted that. Him. Yeah, pick him up. <laughs> like, just pick him up and run him. And listen, all these, people, all these people complaining, but nobody's saying, hey, the Red, the Rays would have got one run out of that. And Christian Vasquez hit a two-run homer, so the Red Sox would have won anyway. Because obviously the momentum shift was huge. And it's funny, like, once you see a play like that happen right away, I text you, well, you better win the game now. Like you're like, you better win it now. And like, maybe it's the curse of the Tampa Bay Rays. Maybe, maybe the Rays are starting. Do you think, do you think the, the baseball gods don't like Tampa because they they're too analytical? Probably. I definitely know they don't like them. Baseball gods, the true baseball gods, the guys up on Mount Vesuvius or whatever it is, they don't like them. Mount Vesuvius. Yeah. That's where the they, baseball guys live. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now. They've been awfully close a bunch of times, especially last year, and they ain't won yet. So, like, I don't know, man. I, it's not. Yeah, but I, the, the A's never won. Why, right. What do you attribute that to? I attribute it to the fact that this brand of baseball doesn't win. Players win championships. Like, like, like players win championships, not matchups. Like you have championship players or you don't like, like the, like it just is what it is. You, you, you take the guy who, you know, like won't take no for an answer. A guy like, you know, who Tommy Brady, Tom Brady. if you get, if the Rays had Tommy Brady, bro, <laughs> it'd be so nice. Speaking Maybe of that, they need to bring him in as a, like a bench coach for this casual four ten and five TDs yesterday. No big deal. With like a busted thumb too, apparently. Yeah, Tom and Thomas Benjamin Brady Button, whatever. So let me okay. let's segue into this because the Dodgers Giants. Yeah, it's a good series. Yeah, it's gonna be good. Boring. Um, championship players. There was a big thread, and I've been kind of uh, getting a little more active, a little more ranty on Twitter, kind of letting some uh, some life stress vent on Twitter because it's easy to do because it's not real life. But uh, the big topic was like, what is the real test of the game? And uh, let me get his name right because he's doing he hustles, and I'm, I didn't mean to attack him. Robert Riggins, he's uh, on on Twitter. He's serve lead coach. 
not attacking you. If you think I attacked you, I'm not attacking you. But he put up a tweet and I kind of got a little triggered because he was talking about uh, he does a lot of outside the box thinking, which is good, which is good. Not a problem with that. But he said, there's a quote from uh, black box thinking. And he said, reminds me of how the hitting world currently works. If you never subject your methods to a proper test, then you'll never detect any failure in your current ideas, philosophies. And I didn't like that. Lost it. Yeah. Because everybody is subjecting their methods to the proper test. Every, the game is the test. And this is like when I call it the crossfitification of baseball. The game is the test. And if in my hitting journey as a swing mechanics guy, this was lost in translation that this matters more, or I did not producer Patrick could probably vouch for this where it's like you get in the cage with me. I'm going to talk about hitting line drives and competing and like not missing and being a hitter as much as I'm going to talk about mechanics. When I coach games, I'm talking about being on time and not getting pitches away and being a tough out and grinding. And I just, I, I didn't like the tweet because I thought it just like the proper test is the game. That is the proper test. If you could do the most wild training methodologies that you want, you can come up and be the most creative hitting coach in the world. If it doesn't work in the game, what test, what is the test? They're like, oh, well, I'm really good in school, but I got an F on the paper or I got an F on my test. Well, okay, then it didn't work. Then you ain't What's that the good, test? dog. Yeah. What's the test? Oh, my blast report said I'm a good hitter. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you went over four. Sorry. Game told you you stink. I, I, it all ties into what you were talking about, about being a championship player. And it's a mindset and it's an attitude and it's the thing that's going on up in your head about what makes you who you are. And I just, oof, yeah, I got triggered. I got you triggered. Got, you've been hot this week. All, it all, look, look, an athlete's ability to be great all starts from him or her, right? It just starts from him or her. And it will finish with him or her. Because inherently, innately, whatever you want to call it, we all have something that is like our makeup right like what drives and defines who we are what we do and it's this simple either you decide you want to do something or you decide you don't want to do something and it's binary it's not it's not like one or the it's not like somewhere in between there's a gray area oh well i wanted to do it but or this situation happened or like and i'm not for one second saying that life circumstances or or things can't be more difficult for one person than another, but you just make decisions. I'm either going to be, or I'm not. And sometimes you can decide you want to be, and then just like you you max out, right? Like you max out your skill set or your capability or whatever you can do, whatever you can accomplish as a player. But baseball has continued to prove over and over again for years, years and years and years doesn't matter what size you are. doesn't matter what shape you are. doesn't matter how big you are. doesn't matter how tall you are, how fast you are. There is a place for you in the game. And the, the testing elements that we're like, people are subjecting their athletes to now are all about just figuring out like what your maxes are, like how, how good is your potential? But like, what if you don't reach your potential or what if you outplay your potential? And that's, that. those are the problems with, with, with what's happening. And I think what's making you upset is the same thing that's made me upset for years. It's like Derek Jeter wouldn't have won the metric tests, but I sure, yeah, like I passed the eye test every day of the week, twice on Sunday. Right. Like, cause he wins. Like, and the generation is forgetting that humans play the game and, and there has to be something we need to measure that's, that's intangible about individuals. And you can find it if you look hard enough, or if you pay attention to the right things, you could see it. Like you could see who you want in your foxhole. That's my opinion. Well, the, the, the conversation 
shifted towards like, oh, well, how do you scale that? How do you, how do you measure success on that? You check the scoreboard after the game, <laughs> check the, check your win loss record after the season. Like you can have an unlucky season and, and write stuff off. And maybe that's an excuse. Maybe it's not an excuse. Like you want either one or you didn't like good teams, find a way to win. Bad teams find a way to lose. And I've felt so strongly about that for so long where it's amazing how good teams will scratch out that one ring, one run game. They'll, they'll score a run late. They'll force the team into an error. Something will happen that causes them to win a game. Good teams do that. You can ball that up. You get the players, the culture, the mindset, the, the expectation that you put on other people around you. That's what creates that kind of thing. And in football, right? Let's just shift it to football for a second. You look at, you look at what, the guy has done right you look at what tommy's done over the years he just puts himself in a position to win regardless of the circumstances and that attitude and energy and mindset it like diffuses through his team so people that say like oh well he doesn't play defense like it doesn't matter like because when you're when your superstar holds himself to that level of accountability then everybody else in like automatically holds themselves to that level of accountability unless you have a bunch of douchebags on your team who like kind of override the dudes on that side. And when you see that perfect blend of stuff and it doesn't matter, it doesn't mean you're going to win all the time, but you're going to have a chance. You're going to put yourself in the conversation, which is why. And the teams that beat you will know it. They'll feel it. They'll be like, like they might not be as talented as, but they're bringing it every, when the Royals beat us in 2015, like it was belligerently obvious to me that we were a more talented baseball team than them. They just, they wanted it a little bit more than us. And like, we wanted it. Don't get me wrong. But like, at some point you got alpha versus alpha and somebody got to win. Right. You know what I mean? Like you put the two best, the two best horses to run a race. Somebody's going to come in first. So what I don't understand is why everybody else doesn't kind of take that attitude along. It's because it's hard, Bobby. It's hard. I think it's, it's rare. I think it's huh? rare. I yeah. Well, rare. but because it's hard, because it's hard to give everything. I have, thought, have. I, have a, I have a rant topic right now. How many teams win the World Series each year? One. So what the heck are you trying to scale exactly? You trying yeah. to scale one on one? Yeah. You got to do something unique if you're going to win. Like that's not scalable. That's the. <laughs> it's not scalable. You can you can build your farm system and you can have your scouting department. You know, work really hard, and that's all really important. But at the end of the day, the individuals you have on your team are going to decide whether you win or lose. And you, you, so like you can scale giving yourself a chance, right? Sure. sure. Like you can scale giving yourself Which a you, chance. I would say the Rays do that. The Rays and, interchangeable correct. parts, mix and match it. Yeah. And, and, and that's why, like, when you get in the conversation, but at the end of the day, like, again, the, the, the players are going to define whether they're going to win or lose. And like, look, one, pebble one bounce one this one that like I'll tell you something the 1986 Mets weren't supposed to lose that's why they didn't that's why the ball got by Ged that's why like Stanley threw the ball in the dirt that's why Mookie hit a ground ball to the only guy that should have been on the field like there's a thing in the cosmos in the quantum metaphysical world that was like like Bill Buckner do you realize Bill Buckner had not finished a game on defense at first base all year all year not, that year, I did not know that. but they wanted him to stay out there to be able to win the World Series. Like, th- there's a reason why he left them out there and the ball got hit to him. Like, there's a reason why these things happen. And, like, people want to downplay and they want to say, oh, it's not real. But, like, well, th- like, it's showing up over and over again. When a team that's supposed to win wins, it's because it's supposed to happen. When They're the guy gets lucky. In golf, they talk about players like not being ready to win, where the emotions get them, their adrenaline gets them, that they haven't they haven't conquered that moment yet, where they're like, you know, they got a 170 yard shot, so they pull their 170 club, but they hit it 20 yards over because their adrenaline's pumping. They just haven't dealt with it yet, and they they're not ready to win. And then guys that get over the hump, then they'll win like three in a row, or they'll they'll go on a streak because they figured out how to control the moment. And they've, they figured out how to perform in those situations, it's which same, I think is one of the reasons golf is amazing is because it's, it's all on you. But it's also the same reason why Wander Franco is Wander Franco. 
Cause like he's taking ownership of like, yeah, I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be this nasty. I'm supposed to hit homers in the division series. And it doesn't matter because I'm just playing. So there's like, there's the ability to do it with this blind naivete, right? And just be like, oh, I'm young. I'm a kid. Like, I'm going to go play. And then at some point you come to the realization that you're doing stuff that nobody in the history of the game has done really. And then all of a sudden you might, it might like affect you if you let it as opposed to that's why I tell people like, I, I, it's so perfect to have like that, that not like, it's not lack of intelligence. It's just maybe lack of awareness of how special what you're doing is. And just go, just go play. And that's, that's the characteristic that Jordan and Brady and Jeter had. Like they just kept going. Like, it's like, Oh, well I'm aware of this, but it doesn't matter. I'm just going to go be in this moment. It's just who they are. They, and it's hard. It's just who they are. It's hard. What they do is hard because they have to check in in a way that like other people probably have never experienced because there are things that are affecting their ability to check in every day and they just keep checking in. And that's why showing up is the most important thing and being confident, like blending confidence and humility is so important in sports, like being able to blend like this blind, confident ego of just, I'm better than you. And the humility to know that like you can get your ass kicked any given day of the week it's it's what needs to happen it's what it, there's a there's a blend and we need to find it and we probably can't define it but we need we'll be able to see it we can see it pay attention i'm going to show up in your uh your data no it's definitely not that's why i loved your answer to the tweet about uh you know height two players different height different size their their exit velo is the same which one's a better hitter like you're just no relevant information here. None, zero. Yeah. And I, I like Frank, Frank. Uh, I, I intended that tweet to be a little snarky, Yeah, <laughs> but he was talking about how like, you can't like, you, he was attacking the, uh, the yeah. showcase industry. Yeah. How about like just like vanity metrics like that? Like, yeah. Oh, Cause that's all it is. Let's take a couple guys off the tee so that their parents can post on a profile and say, Oh, Johnny, Johnny should be at the D one player. Cause he hits the ball as hard as D one players do. Like, well, Johnny stinks at baseball. <laughs> Johnny doesn't work hard. Johnny doesn't have any baseball IQ. Yeah. Stop chasing. Johnny can't see there. Johnny can't see spin on a curveball. And he strikes out 12 out of 15 times against good pitching. Johnny's hardest hit ball is always on the ground to third base or shortstop. Like how many of those situations. And, and this is, this is the issue with promoting metrics so much. Like I would say this is my issue with like all of the, the bat flips too. Yeah. Because what are you celebrating? You're not good yet. <laughs> like you're celebrating like every, and everybody's like, Oh, well you gotta, you gotta enjoy the moment. Like, well, you enjoy what you seek out to enjoy. If your intent is to win a championship, when you hit a homer, you're gonna put the bat down and run because you're getting closer to that championship you're not selling it's not a celebratory moment people always used to tell me to act like i'd done it before i was like yeah it makes sense you want people like it, it's almost it's more it's more disrespectful to a pitcher when you're like ah, i don't care that i homered off you but like when you make it and if I'm, it's a moment if it's a, like a game-winning homer like yeah dude like then yeah then you won this, the game so it's a moment i feel like we've talked about this ad nauseum like you know, there, there's certain ones that like, like you, again, binary, you see it and you're like, yeah, that's fine. And, and sometimes you see it and it's not like, it's just, we, we don't have feel anymore as a society because people are all always on both sides of things. And like, there's going to be somebody that, that wants to fight the counterpoint and they're going to do it just because they want to be a contrarians or whatever, like, Everybody knows it. It's a, a, a bat flip down nine in the seventh in a high school game is like it's egregious, dude. Stop. Nobody cares. Like there's a million games going on around the planet. Like stop. If like sports need to be about what they're really about, it's about winning and competing and being a grinder and figuring out how to make better life decisions because of the game. Because the game will teach you a lot if you let it. Not, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about me. 
And then individuals are granted the ability to have tremendous moments because of sports. And when they get those opportunities, they take advantage of them. It can lead to wonderful things, but you have to be prepared for them. Anyway, I think we're done. Yeah. We got one more topic, but Giancarlo is going to Giancarlo. He gets hot sometimes. Sometimes nah. he just, he gets clicky and he he's locked in. What makes him so dangerous? The, there's That's on the show notes. What makes him so dangerous? He's a, He's an avatar. So when he gets hot, he does avatar-like things. This, like, yeah. He's avatar. He's, when he's when he's good, he's really, really good. Avatar is avatar, man. And, and this is, so full circle, people want to, like, build the perfect swing. There, Like, do you realize there is no perfect swing? Like, there's not a thing. Like, it's not a, a tangible, accessible goal. Have, have you ever seen Albert Pujols in his prime? Oh, sorry. My <laughs> fault. But my point is... It's like the TikToks. The, the perfect swing doesn't exist. <laughs> so, the, like, every swing has a chance. I don't know if people know that. Like, anytime you swing a bat and there's a ball coming toward you, you have a chance to hit. Like, that's just a fact. That's, like, the same as, like, a blind squirrel could be in my backyard right now, and there's a pretty good chance he's going to find a nut at some point. So... There's no perfect swing. Let's like get that out there. Like if you're under the age of 25 or even 30, Hey, if you're trying to find the perfect swing, it does not exist. Not for you, not for me, not for anybody. There is a perfect way to prepare yourself, to organize your body, to give yourself a chance against every pitch. Meaning like, you can create a set of moves that will allow you to have the best chance to make your, Hitting zone bigger. That's what you can get really good at. Like, and that's it. Like, that's it. So when Giancarlo gets locked in, even with like a not like a suboptimal swing, watch out. Cause like he's seeing it good. Like his moves are like cleaner than they were a week ago. And when he hits the ball, it goes nine miles. So yeah, that's why he gets, he's good. He's a monster. Uh, that's it. I think that's it. On that note, Tom Brady's a man, bro. Tommy's awesome. <laughs> you think we can get Brady on the show? We should ask. Check with, right. his, uh, check with his team on that one. All right. Until then, pickle out. <laughs>